Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail, our highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. Hiya, folks. You're listening to Two Men in the Mouse, episode 205 on the White Dragon Podcast Network, recorded live at the White Dragon Studio in Orlando, Florida, and Rogue Comics in Cranford, New Jersey, on August the 8th, 2020. This is your everyday guide to the magic of Walt Disney World and the larger Disney universe beyond it. My name is Kevin Kessler, and I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Peter Mandel. Hey, Kev. Hey, Pete. What's going on? Not much. You? Oh, not much. I mean, I feel like we, we have little to talk about because we had a long phone conversation yesterday. But That's true. We actually have so much to talk about, so I'm going to get back into the opening. Folks, we are two lifelong Disney fanatics who have managed to keep the magic of Disney alive in our lives every day, and we want to share that magic with you. So pull up a chair, gather the family, or pop in your favorite set of headphones, and let's experience the magic together. Pete! Kevin. What is going on, my friend? Not too much. Um... Yeah, you know, a, a lot's going on in the world of Disney, and a lot's going on in our show today because we are back to the world tour. I That's am good. I, I need some world tour today. I not. am so full of Adventureland knowledge right now that, like, you know, and it'll all be gone tomorrow. Right. That's the thing. <laughs> so you'll have to listen back to the show. Yeah, like people are like, oh, well, you know, you you hang on, you have all this information now on all these lands. I'm like, I mean, I remember some of it, like things that I hear that I'm like, oh, that's cool. But like for the most part, because like for my job as a writer, like I have to know, like I have to write about so many different topics every single day. Like today alone, I have to write about online marketing, uh, walkie talkies, video games, and like a slew of other things. And, and like food topics, like I have to write about burrito bowls and like how to meal prep them and stuff like that. So it becomes like the, the information comes into my head. And then once I write it, it goes right back out after right. I do the research. Uh, so yeah, everyone's like, Oh, you're becoming such an expert. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. Like, I don't remember. You probably remember more of it than I do as I sip my black coffee during my intermittent fast, which is working wonderfully, by the way. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Lost I've lost twenty one point four pounds as of okay. yesterday. I haven't I, I didn't weigh today. Um mostly because I had a pub I had half of a public sandwich last night and I'm afraid it's gonna make the scale go up, so um uh so anyway, you guys aren't here to talk about my, my body image issues and my body recomposition. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Walt Disney World, because that's what we're here for. The news brought to you this week, as always, by our good buddy Dave Whitecoat of Magical Travel, who will plan your Disney vacation for you at little, at, at, um, at absolutely no cost to you. You know, Dave sent me a nice email the other day. Uh, I guess one of our listeners, uh, emailed him, uh, saying, like, listen, I always plan my trips by myself, but because you sponsor Two Men in the Mouse and it's my favorite show, I wanted to, I wanted to, um, you know, throw you in my business, and I thought that was really nice. So to, to yeah, Doug, he sent me that also. It yeah. Was cool. So to Doug, if you're listening, thanks a lot for supporting Dave Weikert's, uh Disney business there, and um, uh, yeah, yeah, super, super happy about that. I uh, hope more people take him up on it. Disney Dave W of Verizon dot net. Okay, so worldwide news this week: Florida has lifted restrictions on the tri-state area, which this d- directly affects you and and your 
supposed trip coming in. It does. I mean, this is the one I, I was more confident about happening, yes. but I guess you could say this is step one towards maybe being able to go in the fall. Right. So the original restriction began in late March during the rapid rise in cases uh, in the in New York and New Jersey and Connecticut. At that time, Florida was experiencing low numbers. It How times have changed and become completely different. Uh, the restriction in the opposite direction calling for visitors from Florida to self-isolate, however, does remain in effect. So even though, like, New Jersey people can come to Florida without having to isolate, when you go home, you have to isolate. Uh, the, right, which is is the holdup right now on right, my trip. Right, Um Hurricanes are coming this year. I know it's very good news this week, right? Like, like, you know, restrictions and hurricanes. Uh, so, but I mean, I think this is important for people to know, uh, if they're planning a trip, like if they're on the fence about coming this fall, like the, the NOAA has basically said, like, hey, this is going to be a bad hurricane season. Because of course, why wouldn't, like, that's, yeah, sure. like, it's, that's the latest thing that we need this year is just lots and lots of hurricanes uh the updated outlook calls for 19 to 25 named storms with winds of 39 miles per hour or greater of which 7 to 11 will become hurricanes with winds of 74 miles per hour or greater including three to six major hurricanes with winds of 111 miles per hour or greater this update covers the entire six-month hurricane season which ends november 30th and includes the nine named storms to date um, according to, they said this is one of the most active seasonal forecasts that NOAA has produced in its 22 year history of hurricane outlooks. NOAA will continue to provide the best possible science and service to communities across the nation for the remainder of hurricane season to ensure public readiness and safety, said U.S. Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross. We encourage all Americans to do their part by getting prepared, remaining vigilant, and being ready to take action when necessary. Uh, so just throwing that one out there. Uh, they're, annual- they're gonna make it, they're gonna make it through the whole alphabet. Yeah, totally. Annual pass holders are getting a welcome back magnet in the mail. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, they're, they're getting a welcome back Tinkerbell magnet in the mail as the parks reopen. And Disney has also extended its current 30% merchandise discount at Walt Disney World retail locations to the online shop Disney.com. Uh, both the online and Walt Disney World discount is valid through August 14th. So 30%, that's nothing to sneeze at. But I mean, because here's the thing, um, you know, annual pass holders are having a very hard time getting reservations to go to the parks. If you have a resort reservation or just bought a park ticket, you have no issue whatsoever. It's perfectly fine. You can get, but like the entire month of August, like you can't get Hollywood Studios. You can get very few Animal right. Kingdom days. Uh, but if you were just to go in and buy a regular day admission for one day, you can go wherever you want. Uh, so, you know, apparently that's fair. Uh, um, I mean, I'm sure it, it, like, it boil boils down to numbers and cents and stuff like that. So they keep throwing, like, you know, annual pass holders are allowed to cancel their pass, uh, in the wake of this. Disney's being really understanding about that. And, you know, they're throwing these bones, like, a better, uh, discount, which thankfully they extended that to shopdisney.com because right before that it was kind of this carrot that was dangled there, like, hey, 30% off. It's a shame you can't get in the park. Right, right. It's so funny. I mean, what what good is it if you can't actually go there? I mean, you could go to World of Disney and Disney Springs, That's but true. still, like, it's I just thought that was kind of super funny. Um, and then, like, you know, they're sending you this welcome back magnet, which, by the way, is not the orange bird magnet that we didn't get for Flower and Garden. Which now I'm like, I thought for sure that when the parks reopened, they were going to be like, hey, here's your orange bird magnet that you missed out on. Instead, no, we're we're not. I guess we're not getting it. I mean, they'll probably bring it back next year. Yeah, maybe. Um, it, it just feels like, uh, it, it almost feels like cart, like a commercial for Cartman Land on South Park, where Cartman had okay. the theme park where, like, nobody was allowed to go. Like, so much to do at Disney World, but you can't come. 
Uh, <laughs> the Goodyear blimp has flown over Walt Disney World. Okay. That's uh, got to be sports related. Yeah. It's part of the coverage of the NBA games at the ESPN Wide World of Sports. The blimp will be flying overhead from July 30th to August 2nd. So it's already completed. It's, it's you know, rotation. Uh, the Goodyear blimp has been at Walt Disney World several times over the years with appearances at ESPN the weekend in 2008 and in 2009 for coverage of the Christmas Parade for ABC. Uh, no resort news this week, no water park news, no Disney Springs news, no Magic Kingdom news, but we do have some Epcot news. The uh, tan- Wait, Let me guess, uh, construction's going on. Uh, yes, that that is the big breaking <laughs> news right now, that there are, are sweaty workmen currently toiling away. Now, uh, the Tangerine Cafe in the Morocco Pavilion has closed. Um, well, I'm assuming this is a temporary thing, it also might be a less temporary thing, because it's managed by a third-party vendor. Uh, it opened with Epcot. But uh, Tangerine Cafe, I guess, has been seeing not a lot of foot traffic because Epcot's really been struggling with attendance since reopening. Most guests are choosing Hollywood Studios for all of the Star Wars stuff and new attractions and Magic Kingdom for its, you know, full day of classic rides and Animal Kingdom for Pandora. Epcot has kind of become, you know, Epcot with all of its Epcot is a construction site right now. My friends went to Epcot on Thursday of last week. Okay, I went last week as well. And... The pictures they sent me were, like, shocking. Yeah, how empty it is. I mean, shocking. Yeah. You know, and and it's not even, like, I can remember back to the early 2000s when you'd kind of go at the right time of year and there'd be no one there. Yes. You had, like, a full park to enjoy. I almost felt bad for them. I mean, they really went for food and wine, so they got to kind of enjoy all that stuff. But other than that, they were like, wow, there's nothing to do here. I walked on to Soren. I mean, like, everything was a walk-on. Uh, Frozen was a little bit of a wait, but that's because it had just started raining. I was there uh, with Natalie and Tim Wells, who listened to the show. Uh, they have the Everyday Disney Kids uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I think on Facebook, it's Everyday Disney Girl. On Instagram, it's Everyday Disney Kids. Uh, so we were there with them and their kids. We got a bunch of really... Their daughter, Wendy, is Morty, Mo- is Morty Monster's number one fan. So we got a bunch of really cute footage with Morty uh, for videos that will be coming soon. But yeah, it was just a very empty day at Epcot, and uh, I, I was kind of shocked by it because, especially with the festival going. But look, I mean, future, you know, future world is a mess. It's all construction walls, and you know, you have a world showcase without any ambassador cast members. Most of world showcases closed down. You know, I mean, we talked about. I this. think it's funny. Like here, we're talking about Epcot and shambles. It's my favorite park, and I would do anything at this moment just to be walking through and like hearing the music one of those weird kind of things where you know all along the the, this covid journey like i've been like you know downplaying like oh i would go with this or i would and i'm at the point now where like if i can just go and everything is you know in full safety precautions Mm -hmm. man i will just be thrilled which i mean the safety precautions are great i think they've done a wonderful job with that it's right now it's really just a matter of of, you know like they're all the shops and eateries and world showcase are i mean some not all uh, are pretty much closed down. There's no ambassador cast members. It's Epcot's kind of a mess right now. Like on to be perfectly honest, I, like if I were in charge of Disney, I would have been like, "Hey, we're going to open three parks. We're not opening Epcot." I don't know if you can do that. I wonder if you can do it legally. You know, you're selling tickets and passes based on. I mean, you, there's you could definitely do it right now because they're not selling park hoppers. That's true. It's just Epcot's a mess. Like, it really, really is. Can I not it's... get a Kakigori? 
you know what? I don't know. I I didn't um I didn't look. I didn't actually go through Japan last time I was there. Did you go to the smokehouse? I, I heard did, they have. Cool... I did go to the Regal Eagle Smokehouse, and I thought it was very good. I had did a... you see any of their merch? I heard they have a cool Sam the Eagle T-shirt. That's like yes, yes, they do. That, that um, seems like a must. I had a really good um like barbecue bacon cheeseburger that comes on Texas toast, which I thought it was fantastic. Right. Big fan of that Regal Eagle Smokehouse. But anyway, um, it is likely that the closure is temporary of Tangerine Cafe. And like other restaurants, it will return when attendance levels reach more normal levels. The closure of Tangerine just leaves a handful of Epcot quick service locations open to guests. This includes the Katsura Grill, La Cantina de San Angel, uh, Les Ales Boulangerie Patasserie, which I believe is the baker. Is that the bakery? Sure. I, I don't know. It might be one of the kiosks that sells the drinks. I have no idea. It's a French word. Regal Eagle Smokehouse uh, and Sunshine Seasons. Those are the ones that are currently open. You'd love Sunshine Seasons. Animal Kingdom news. Did you see this jo- new Joe Rody web series on the Disney Parks YouTube channel? No. So Joe Rody is bored. Uh, he's been spending a lot of time at home with his family, and he's kept himself busy by creating a web series about design about the design of Animal Kingdom. A five-part web series. So I'm in. Here's the quote from Joe Rody. In our family of four, we have multiple writers, a director, a cameraman, a producer, and a talking head, which is me. Uh, plus a house full of, as the saying goes, one man's junk is another man's treasure that we've dragged back from all over the world during the last 40 years. The challenge is to work with what we have, therefore limited only to the photographs and video clips that I have in my own laptop and snapshots that I found in a box in my studio, plus settings we've improvised in our house and yard. Since we are not going anywhere, it's called the roads less tra- the roadies less traveled. Part one is currently up at the Disney on the Disney Parks YouTube. Oh, I can't wait to watch it. Hollywood Studios news: the Moon DVC Moonlight Magic event that was scheduled for September has been canceled to the surprise of absolutely nobody. Uh, the three Disney Vacation Moonlight Magic uh, events were scheduled for Hollywood Studios in September. The after hour event. Offers attractions, character meet and greets, and a DJ dance party and refreshments. It was originally planned for September 15th, 22nd, and October 6th. All three events have now been canceled. The Studios event was the last of the Moonlight Magic series planned for 2020. Previous events were planned for the other three parks, with the Epcot and Magic Kingdom event canceled due to the COVID-19 shutdowns. So, um, a new show has actually debuted at Hollywood Studios. A new thing during this time period. How about that? Okay, that sounds good. The Disney Society Orchestra will perform a new show beginning today at the Theater of the Stars in Disney's Hollywood Studios. So that's the theater that typically houses the Beauty and the Beast show. Following a similar format to the music of Pixar Live that played back in 2017, the concert includes music from Toy Story, The Little Mermaid, and The Muppets. I'm all about some Muppet music. You know? I am. I thought you... Have you seen that at the end they bring out, like, characters from, like, the Beauty and the Beast stage show? Oh, do they? How cool would it be if they had like a Muppet like come out there if they brought out like Sweetums or something? That'd be really cool. I would enjoy That'd that. Awesome. Uh, so shows will take place daily at 11, 15, 12, 1, 1, 45, 2, 30, 4, 10, 4, 45, 5, 35, and 6, 20. The new show will play for a limited time in place of the regular Beauty and the Beast live on stage, which is still unavailable due to a continuing dispute with the actor's union equity. The union is asking for daily COVID-19 testing or of performers, a request that Disney is so far not prepared to accommodate. Uh, now, I know what you've been thinking, Peter Mandel. The one thing that has been really missing from Disney since all of this started? Dance parties. 
Dance parties. Uh, the Disney Junior Dance Party is returning to Hollywood Studios, or has returned to Hollywood Studios. It's a modified version. Uh, each performance features a DJ host uh, spinning the tracks from Disney Junior TV shows with onstage appearances by uh, Mickey Mouse, Vampirina, Fancy Nancy, and Doc McStuffins. As always, physical distancing will be in place, and the characters will remain at a distance on stage. Performances will take place approximately every 30 minutes throughout the day, beginning at 11.15 a.m. in the animation courtyard. So it's it's formerly where Disney Junior Live on Stage was. Okay. Which I miss Disney Junior Live on Stage. I know, I know, it's not made for me. But the few times that I went in with, like, friends that had kids, um, I was just, oh, I loved the puppetry. You know, I never saw it. It was, it's all, it was all puppets. It was all, pu- I actually have a friend who's a puppeteer at Disney and Universal, and uh, they were telling me, like, all about Disney Junior Live on stage, or they, they used to do Disney Junior Live on stage, and they were actually giving me some uh, Morty tips based on, like, puppeteering, you know, coaching that Disney has given in the past. You know, it's funny. When I went there again in the early 2000s, I had pictures of me kind of in front of that building. And that show had like Roly Polioli in it, which you probably don't even know what that is. Uh-huh. But it's funny. I, I, my I've daughter, heard of Roly Polioli. My daughter got into Roly Polioli like later, like much later. Um, and it's so funny because we were like, oh, man, we would have loved to have seen them in some kind of show. Right. You know, like 15 years after that show was gone. Right. But. Right. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, that is the news this week. There you go. We kind of sped through it. There, there wasn't too much. There wasn't too much, uh, and, you know, we, we wanted to kind of get through it quick because, um, you know, we've got a um, we've got a big e-ticket attraction on, on its way. So we should probably get on onto that. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, hear from our wonderful sponsors, uh, and we'll be back. Adventure awaits after these fine words. You know, Pete, it's hard work planning a Disney vacation. Of course. Your whole family has to get going. You got to pack everything up. You got to figure out where you're eating. You got to figure out where you're staying. But you know what makes life so much easier and makes your trip planning a more fun experience? Tell me. It sounds like something I need. Absolutely. You need a travel agent. Do we know one of those? We absolutely do. We know our good friend and sponsor, Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, the official travel agent of Two Men and the Mouse, folks. We've both used him. Yes, we have. Dave Weikert plans our Disney vacations all the time, and we would not recommend him if we didn't use his services ourselves. Dave started his Cranford-based business here in in 2008, and in that time, has been planning hundreds of Walt Disney World vacations. Dave plans every trip as if it was his own, and you will never find someone more passionate about Disney. Very easy to work with, and will do his best to make sure you're satisfied. Working with Dave, you're likely to pay less and get more. And what's better than that, Peter Mandel? Tell me. You never pay a charge for Dave's services. It is 100% free. Dave will plan your entire trip for no additional cost to you. That sounds awesome. Absolutely. Dave has helped over 875 families enjoy their Disney vacations. A graduate of the College of Disney Knowledge, Dave has visited every Disney World resort and has personally stayed at 12 Disney World resorts. He's dined also at every Disney restaurant. He's crazy about Disney food. That is an accomplishment. Absolutely. I wish I could say I did that. That's like the snack challenge times 10. Yep. Dave also gives you Disney dollars for land packages and shipboard credits for any Disney Cruise Line vacations you might be going. Uh, This can be used as cash at any Disney destination or store. Traveling with kids in your party, Dave will also provide you autograph books for all your kids. 
you give them to us? Absolutely. Your kids went down with Dave Weicker autograph books. Of course. Well, Disney autograph books supplied by Dave Weicker. Depends how his name on it. Dave simplifies your life by booking your complete vacation, including resort stay, airlines, Disney meal plans, and park passes. Also, checks daily for new discounts. When specials are announced, he immediately checks availability and rebooks your vacation at the lowest possible price. Dave can also book all your Disney dining and will do his best to get hard-to-book reservations like Cinderella's Royal Table and Be Our Guest. It's really, truly a no-brainer. Folks, take the stress out of your life. Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, the official travel agent of Two Men in the Mouse. If you and your family are taking a trip to the Orlando area this year, your little ones deserve to stroll in style. Lugging a stroller from home can be an annoying and frustrating part of the first leg of your journey, and renting those hard plastic strollers from Disney theme parks can be both costly and uncomfortable for your kids. Well, I'm here to tell you about the solution to your child transport problems, and that's Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers is a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. Not only is it less expensive than renting a stroller from the theme parks themselves, but these are padded luxury models with features like drink holders, canopies, storage baskets, and more. What's more, you keep this stroller with you for your entire trip, whereas park-rented strollers, you got to return them before you leave the park that day. This is going to make those late-night post-fireworks bus stop queues so much easier, and Dad's shoulders are going to thank you for it. So, how does it work? You just go to kingdomstrollers.com and make your selection on the stroller or crib that's right for your child. Just let the good folks over there know a great time for delivery and pickup and where you'll be staying. You can pick your stroller or crib up from the luggage stand at your resort and then drop them back off there at the end of your stay. So pack light, leave your stroller at home, and save up to a whopping 50% versus park price stroller rentals when you visit kingdomstrollers.com. humans my name is morty monster and i'm uh, well i'm a monster i'm here as an exchange student from the monster world where growing up i fell in love with the world of human pop culture unfortunately not a lot of monsters share that passion so i came here to experience all of these things that i love and to share that passion with all of you i do this through my youtube channel with regular video blogs One of my favorite things to do is film while in the theme parks of Orlando, Florida. Join me in Walt Disney World, Universal Studios, SeaWorld, and more. I'll also be reviewing comic books, web videos, TV shows, movies, and other awesome stuff. Find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash MortyMonster. I'm on Instagram as MortyMonster and Friends. I'm also on Twitter as MortyMonsterBFF. From there, you can find a link to my YouTube videos. Please like, subscribe, love, sign up for notifications and more for all the Morty content. I can't wait to share my adventures with all of you. Morty Monster! Hey listeners, this is Mark Daniel, and you're listening to Two Men and the Mouse. Adventureland is a unique area of Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. It takes place in no particular time and in a variety of places. 
It's a land of daring pirates, silly skippers, flying carpets, lots of stairs, and most terrifyingly, birds that speak. Adventureland is one of the crown jewels of both the Magic Kingdom and Disneyland, and for good reason. There's a whole world of mystery and daring, bold adventure to be found around every corner. So this week, for our e-ticket attraction of the week, Pete and I continue the Two Men and the Mouse Disney World Tour with Adventureland, sponsored by KingdomStrollers.com for all of your crib and stroller rental needs in the Orlando area. Okay, so Adventureland. Now, I know in when we, when we ended Frontierland, we were kind of at the border right by Caribbean Plaza, but I kind of want to end with Pirates of the Caribbean. So we've circled back. Maybe we had an ADR at Crystal Palace or something like that. And so we circled back. Right. And we're going to enter Adventureland from the hub because I think that is the best way to enter Adventureland. Although something I rarely ever do. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm normally hitting it from the way we were walking in previously. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're going to enter that way, you have to either be coming from like going there first or going right from Tomorrowland. Right. Like to cross over and not going through Fantasyland and, and Frontierland for that. Um, so the Crystal Palace, let's start there. It borders both lands. So you kind of have to talk about the Crystal Palace when you talk about Adventureland. Uh, you have this very Victorian location on Main Street, USA. And as you start to make the, the transition into Adventureland, it's so gradual and subtle that often you don't realize that it's happening. It's all about what you see in here. Uh, as you approach the bridge to Tomorrowland, the porch of the of the uh, Crystal Palace gives way to pane windows and striped green awnings. The plants start to become overly lush and more green. And as you look back, it almost looks like the Crystal Palace is like that last outpost of like our civilization as you cross into the jungle. You're totally right. I really like that. I always, especially if you're going at night, because the Crystal Palace is kind of lit up with those dim lights, mm-hmm. and it gets dark kind of crossing over there. So it's kind of cool that you're, like, leaving that right. form of sensation. The bridge that you cross to get into Adventureland uh, that crosses over the uh, the Magic Kingdom River there is, uh, is... Bridges are pretty symbolic in Walt Disney World lands to kind of distinguish when you're crossing into something else. Uh, this bridge is built with an exaggerated height. And it was originally going to be covered. It was going to be more of like a covered walkway, which would have made it look a little bit more ominous. Uh, but they don't want you to feel like it's an ominous jungle. That's why the drum beats that start to hit are more upbeat and kind of happy drum beats. Right. Now, as the colors of Main Street turn from bright white pastels to the deeper, richer colors of Adventureland, you'll notice the music, the jungle rhythms and drums. It overtakes the ragtime melodies of Main Street. Uh, and the landscaping really defines Adventureland, I think, and tells the story. And that was all put together by Imagineer Bill Evans, who designed the original Disneyland over in uh, the original uh, the original Adventureland in Disneyland. He used plants, trees, a variety of tropical flowers, and it all looks very random and chaotic. But it was actually very meticulously designed. Isn't that neat? Yeah, I like it. I really like that. Uh, so, Adventureland does not represent just one theme or region, like something like a Liberty Square would. Uh, it is the South Pacific and Hawaii, it's the Middle East, it's Africa, it's the Caribbean. Uh, so, and this was difficult, to dis- it was really difficult to display Walt's original vision for Adventureland, which is one theme, which is why they decided to make it just this hodgepodge of different areas. Because uh, early in Disneyland planning, it was said in WED that uh, no one place could represent the title of Adventureland. 
The first thing you'll see as you cross into Adventureland on the left there is a merchandise kiosk called Bawana Bob's. Now, originally, this was a location for a ticket booth where you could buy ride tickets. But in 1980, it became an adventure sh- a, 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 mer- a merchandise kiosk called the Adventureland Kiosk. It was renamed Bawana Bob's in 1895 after the Disney film Call Me Bawana, which starred Bob Hope. Okay. Bob nice Hope. Nice little pull there. Yeah. The Adventureland Veranda was formerly a restaurant. Uh, this is a tropical building that is actually built that does not use forced perspective. Do you know why? Huh, tell me. It hides Cinderella Castle from view. Ah, uh, perfect. Uh, the There were tables in the veranda, eventually in veranda restaurant, that you could get castle views on, though. It was a unique dining experience decorated in dark woods that represented Polynesian and Asian themes. It opened with the park in 1971 and served hot sandwiches and fried chicken. It then moved on to serve teriyaki hamburgers topped with pineapple rings, served with french fries and raisins. Now, I don't know if it was, like, French fries with, like, a little box of raisins, or if, like, the raisins were in the French fries. I kind of hope it's not the latter there. I I would imagine it's not. Dude, people put raisins in weird things. My Aunt Lena put raisins and pinoli nuts in her meatballs. Listen, you're talking to someone that loves raisins, so I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, I'm, but, I mean, I like a good raisin, too, but not in weird things. Like, I mean, and that's an old... I like, like, Raisins in like um in spicy food, mm, really good. Pignoli nuts and raisins and meatballs is like a traditional like old Italian thing, which I had never had it before, and I was all excited as a kid because I would get to try my aunt Lena's meatballs for the first time, and I bit into it. And my dad said super loud, me as a little kid, I went, "That is one foul meatball," <laughs> or something like <laughs> something like really loud and obnoxious that everyone looked at. Because I was not expecting the the uh, pignoli nuts or pine nuts for those of you that aren't uh, New Jersey Italian, um, but anyway, it also served sweet and sour hot dogs, stir fry, and was considered a more exotic quick service location. But it closed in 1994. It briefly reopened in 1998 when Pecos Bills was being refurbished, but it did not have the Polynesian menu. Uh, this was turned into the uh, Pixie Hollow Meet and Greet from 2011 to 2014, where you can meet Tinkerbell and friends. Today it is Club Thirty Three, the one of the most uh, elite clubs you can possibly join in the entire world. That is the uh, the the Disney fan club that I think what has a thirty year waiting period and ten thousand dollar dues or something like that. Very expensive. I often go up to the Club Thirty Three door and try to scan my Magic Band on there. And do you ever get in? No, no. I just I'm I'm kind of like just in the hopes that like one day like it'll short circuit and just let me in. That'd be. Cool. And then I can get in there and just never leave. Uh, they so, do miss that Tinkerbell meet and greet they had right there. Do you? Why? It was cool. Like it, they would do Tinkerbell and one of her friends. So like every time I went, it was like a different friend, and Tinkerbell was always in a different outfit based on whatever usually direct to DVD or, or right. you know Disney Channel movie was out at the time. So it was always kind of a new experience in the same setting. Sort I don't of. know. I like I like Tinkerbell's location in the um, in the Main Street Theater. For me, it wasn't more about meeting Tink. It was about meeting all the different friends. Abby was the perfect age for it. Okay. And we got you know, kind of like meet all the different fairies. It was cool. That's neat. All right, so coming up next is the Sunshine Tree Terrace. But, of course, this was not the original location of the Sunshine Tree Terrace. This was originally Aloha Isle, where you can get the Dole Whip. But the Sunshine Tree Terrace and Aloha Isle switched places a couple years back because the Dole Whip is so much more infinitely popular for whatever reason. 
the Sunshine Tree Terrace opened in 1971, and it is the home of the Citrus Swirl, which is orange slush mixed with vanilla ice cream for a really amazing frozen treat and my favorite ice cream in all of Walt Disney World. Uh, they also have the Orange Swirl, which is an orange soft serve ice cream, so it's not so much citrusy. Uh, and that's mixed with vanilla as well. Uh, it also has the Citrus Swirl Float, which is the Citrus Swirl on top of orange soda, which I mean, that's a, pretty good. A really, have you had it? Yeah, that we had. So, so good. And I love when like the ice cream melts into the orange soda. And, it's and like, I'm not a float person. I don't normally like floats of any kind. See, I don't like like root beer floats for some reason. They just don't do it for me. But I really yeah, I don't I don't get them either. I really like the um, I really like this float and I like the Peter Pan float in the, in, uh, in Fantasyland. Although I told you in Le Cellier, they have a drink that's vanilla ice cream and Sprite, which sounds disgusting to me, and it is somehow wonderfully delicious. Hmm, that does sound good. Uh, so this was once sponsored by the Florida Citrus Growers, who joined in a partnership with Disney in 1969 to help create the Tiki Room. Uh, it sponsored what was then the Sunshine Pavilion, which was Sunshine Tree Terrace and the Tiki Room together were the Sunshine Pavilion. Uh, the the t- it also had the terrace snack bar back then, which served an orange Danish pastry, orange cheesecake, and orange juices and slushes. There's a theme here. It's all food. I see what you did yeah. there. Uh, so the little orange bird is all. You can't talk about the Sunshine Tree Terrace without talking about the little orange bird. Now, are you an orange bird guy? Uh, you know, well, orange is my thing. So yeah, orange is your color. So orange um, bird is. Easily one of my top five favorite Disney characters, especially oh. one who's not even really a character. Love that's, it. That's fantastic. You know, we've had our friend Zach Adams on a couple times to talk about the Orange Bird, but I'm going to like go through his history a little bit here. Uh, for those that didn't hear those episodes, he was originally a sidekick for Anita Bryant, who was the spokesperson for the Citrus Growers. Uh, the Citrus Growers and Walt wanted, or in the Walt Disney Company, wanted to create a character for uh, Walt Disney World that was uniquely Florida. That would kind of like push the Florida, um, you know, idea idea into people's minds. And uh, Florida Man was apparently not available, so they chose the Tiki Bird. <laughs> Could you imagine if it was just, like, some hillbilly guy, like, wrestling an alligator? <laughs> With these, like, grandiose, like, stories. Belligerent Florida Man in the sunshine tree. <laughs> uh, but, um, okay, so... For 20 years after park opening, the little orange bird was a walk-around character. So you get a six-foot-tall orange bird walking around. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, he was the... So this is an, an, a unique thing about the orange bird. He was the first non-animated film character created for a Disney theme park. Hmm. So he's the first park-specific character. Right. In, in a sense. Um. His backstory was told in a theme song written by the Sherman Brothers. The Orange Bird lived in the Sunshine Tree. He had sunny thoughts that appeared over him in an orange cloud. He, you know, he can't, like, he has no tweet. Like, he can't, like, he can't, like, squawk or, like, make bird noises because his head is, you know, an orange. So, so his thoughts just would appear over his head. Uh, originally, because, you know, he the, the official Orange Bird is in the Sunshine Tree Terrace, and originally, they had a monitor over his head where his thoughts would appear. He's like a comic book character. When you read like comics in the eighties, they always right. had thought bubbles. Right. There's no more thought bubbles in comics. I noticed that yeah. like like in the last year, I was like, wait, what happened to thought bubbles? It's yeah, all no, it's been for a long time. It's all like those little like captions now, like the little boxes. Yeah, caption boxes. Yeah, yeah. like that kind of like. 
But I remember like a good thought. I enjoyed a good thought bubble. Me too. Peter Parker, he thought all the time that guy wouldn't stop thinking. Oh yeah, no, he's all he's constantly in his own head. Like you know, the, the little orange bird. You know, he would have things. He would you know have thoughts like nice and things like that. Like, could you imagine if the little orange bird started getting like real like you know. Do orange-headed beings have a soul like that appears over his head? <laughs> Why are we here? What is our purpose on this planet? Oh, if an orange tree falls in the forest, no one hears it. Like, you're trying to order your ice cream. You're just entranced by the monitor of the little orange birds, like deep, deep thoughts. I wonder what human flesh tastes like. Whoa! Orange bird's getting dark. Don't don't ruin the orange bird for me. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> in 1986, the Florida Citrus Committee and Disney ended their partnership, and that ended the little orange bird in Walt Disney World for a long time. Uh, he came back to Tokyo Disneyland of all places in 2004 because you know in Japan they you know kawaii culture, which means cute. Uh, cute things are very popular in Japan. That's why Duffy the Disney Bear is so popular there. Um, that's why they also they have the kawaii exhibit in the Mitsukoshi department store. And so the little orange bird found new new popularity and a second coming in Tokyo, which then they brought him back. Uh, they First they started bringing him back through merchandise, and then they brought him fully back to the Sunshine Tree Terrace in 2012. So where he has remained ever since. And he's become... Little Orange Bird has become a phenomenon. Like there's, oh, like there's ears now. There's Orange Bird ears. There's, yeah, there's everything. Magic bands, T-shirts. I mean, he's everywhere. It's great. I mean, it kind of, you know, everything's kind of brought back with like the retro-inspired feel, and people feel nostalgic about it. But I think he's got such a, a cool look to character design. Like I, it, I can't really ever see it going away. Yep. All right, moving on. Uh, moving down here, another part of the of what was originally the Adventureland Veranda restaurant was turned into the Jungle Navigation Company LTD Skipper Canteen, a table service restaurant that opened on December fifteenth, twenty fifteen. Have you ever eaten here? I have not. I've eaten there a couple times. The first two times I ate there was a complete disaster. I hated the menu. I remember. Uh, the last time I ate there, not bad. Okay, not bad. Uh, I to the point where I would eat there again. So there's 222 seats spread across three sections. Uh, the first is you have the main mess hall, which retains much of the original 1971 design of the Tomorrowland. Uh, you know, the, I'm sorry, the Adventureland uh, Terrace Restaurant. The main waiting area features portraits of the Falls family, with a traditional depiction of Dr. Albert Falls, and a cubist portrait of his granddaughter and current Juggle Navigation Company president Alberta Falls. Artifacts and ephemera from the Jungle Navigation Company's history can be found along the walls and in the balconies above. Offices for different skippers can be seen, including references to Disney Imagineers Mark Davis, Harper Goff, and Bill Evans. So obviously this is a restaurant that is themed to the Jungle Cruise, which is an ingenious idea in 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 design, you know? I mean, I like any time they take something park-specific and make, make a restaurant it, about you know, it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a great idea. So the second area, and this is I thought was really genius, it is actually a meeting room for the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, which is from the old Adventurers Club in downtown Disney. Uh, originally, this was accessed through a secret library door, uh, which is now permanently open in the restaurant. Bookshelves along the entranceway feature references to society members and numerous Disney films and attractions, and several uh, C-Club fezes are on display in the case. 
There's also a display wall of butterfly specimens and a painting of Dr. Albert Falls discovering the Cambodian temple seen in the Jungle Cruise attraction, which is sometimes called Shirley Temple. I get it. The third area is the Jungle Room. It's the Falls Family Parlor, which features wood carvings of attraction scenes made from wood once used in the attraction's docks. Stained glass chandeliers are also there in the form of the Enchanted Tiki Room's birds. All right, you ready for some Easter eggs? Oh, yeah. Occasionally, as part of the mess hall's audio loop, you can hear the voice of the Dream Finder asking where he can park his flying machine. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that neat? The mythological creature maps in the one room feature references to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the island at the top of the world, with the Nautilus, Giant Squid, and Hyperion Airship appearing in the map artwork. And the butterfly collection in that same room once belonged to Lillian Disney. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Now, there's a bunch of library books here that I wanted to go through because some of them are really, like, cool. They have, like, neat names. A Small Village with a Large Heart and Rockefeller Hippo Pet Family. I'm sorry. A Small Village with a Large Heart and Rockefeller Hippo Pet Family by Dr. Albert Falls. The Falls Family Tree is hinted at by way of several books in the library. Married into the Jungle is written by Dr. Falls' wife, Victoria Marie Falls. Born into the Jungle is uh, written by Albert Falls Jr. And Married to Someone Born in the Jungle is written by Snay Falls the wife of Falls Jr. and mother of Alberta. A Manor of Fact, Primates as Shipmates and Treasures of the Manor by Lord Henry Mystic from Mystic Manor. So it's a Mystic Manor reference. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Another New Year and Global Night Celebrations by Meriwether, by Meriwether Adam Pleasure from Pleasure Island. So you have a Pleasure Island reference. Mine, Treasures of the Animal Kingdom and Everest, Expedition, Search for the Yeti by Harrison Hightower III, from Tokyo Disney Sea's Tower of Terror. The latter titles references Hightower's status as being based on Imagineer Joe Rohde. Neat. Yeah, there's some cool stuff here. Yeah. Parrots as Pets and Charting Course, by Mary Oceaneer, from the Disney Cruise Line's Oceaneer Lab, and Miss Adventure Falls in Typhoon Lagoon. So, so many cool things. It's a definite like cross-section of, yeah. of very Disney things. Friends for Dinner, Top Hats and Umbrellas, and The Missing Mask by Trader Sam from The Jungle Cruise. The Eyes of Mara by Indiana Jones is in there. Okay. Temple Tours, a series by Paco from Indiana Jones, from the Indiana Jones Adventure Temple of the Crystal Skull. The Harambe Chronicles by Wilson from Kilimanjaro Safaris. Really? Okay. Yes! like what i can't believe wilson has a book in there more generalized references puns and tributes include songs of the tiki bird by professor boag tiki tiki tiki's of the south pacific by b baker crooning flowers by sherman and sherman great characters of world literature by jay lassiter uh meeting royalty by sklar like marty sklar native orange birds of the southeastern united states by dr sid truss True Life Adventures by W.E.D. Wed. A Small World of Traditional Wardrobe by A. Davis. Small World. Right. Banjos and Baboons by Goff. Primates of the Caribbean by Coates. Profiles of Legendary Pirates of the Caribbean by Gibson. No relation to uh, out-of-work Owl Hoot Gibson. Uh, I do not believe he made it as an author. Just one more thing for him to be angry about. 
Uh, Treehouse Construction by Mills, A Journey to the Stars by Kimball, Leaders Throughout History by Professor G. Caligridis, A Grace, The Grace of a Swan by Plaza, meaning the Plaza Swan Boats. Right. Um, Mission to the Stars by Tom Morrow. I mean, just on and on and on. These are so cool. Keelboats of the Mississippi by, by, uh, by Fink, the Mike Fink Keelboats from, from Frontierland. The Mystery Castle by Cindy Ella. The Wildest Ride by J.T. Toad. Uh, A View from Above by S.W. Buckets, meaning like the Skyway. Yep. And Hamlet, A Lion's Tale by Shakes Spear. Interesting, right? Super fun. Uh, you could spend, you know, so much time just going through them. Yeah. So now we're going to go from something super fun and interesting to something really not interesting at all, which is a Swiss Family Treehouse. <laughs> great way to bring it down some some people are really mad at me for saying that right now because i have met people that love the swiss family treehouse really yeah hmm, okay uh swiss family treehouse sometimes known as the climbing upstairs ride uh all the fun of climbing upstairs with all of the fun of looking at things uh it's a night it's based on the 1960 disney film adaptation of the 1912 novel it's a self-guided walking tour. In Disneyland, it was refurbed into Tarzan's Treehouse, which is infinitely more interesting. Uh, it has 116 stairs for you to climb. The trunk is 90 feet in diameter. The tree is actually the type of tree it is. It's called the Disney Odendren Exum, Exumes, out of the or, means out of the ordinary Disney tree. Uh, the Spanish moss on the branches is actually real, and it gives you unique views or pictures. So there you go. All right. Now we've got this string of shops here. You've got the Island Supply Company, which was once the Tiki Tropics uh, shop, which before that was the Safari Club Arcade, which which holds the distinction of being the first attraction to permanently close at Walt Disney World. I mean, that's uh, unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, it was another right. Frontierland shooting arcade, except right. you were, except it was safari themed and you were shooting like elephants and stuff, which like yeah. Warden Wilson Matumba is not happy about that. No. Like, that's getting shut right down when you trophy hunting. You're basically, basically, they were letting you be po- the poachers that the, <laughs> that Kilimanjaro <laughs> Safari warns you of. Yeah. <laughs> You've earned this much ivory. Like, no, like, I'm really, like, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, no, our modern sensibilities have kind of shown through there. But this, long ago, like, this was closed in the 70s. Probably oh, not 70s. for those, not for those reasons, probably more so probably because they're like, you know, we have one, one of these on the other side. It's a Frontierland shooting arcade. Uh, it was also Colonel Hathi's Safari Club, which is themed after Colonel Hathi the elephant from the Jungle Book. Sold straw hats, wind chimes, and summer clothing. Then you have the Zanzibar Trading Company. Um, it's my favorite line from Muppet Treasure Island. Off to Zanzibar to meet the Zanzibarbarians. Um, then you have the Agrabah Bazaar, which is based on a Middle Eastern marketplace. This was once a, this whole area was once a courtyard with kiosks selling Lion King products. And once the entrance of the Tiki Tropics shop was right here, which sold tropical clothing and Hawaiian shirts, that is now a storage location, which is located behind the current Aladdin and Jasmine meet and greet, which is right there. Magic Carpets of Aladdin, the newest attraction in Adventureland, uh, built in 2001. Previously, this was just a decora- decorative area. Uh, now, the spitting camel, I think, is the first thing you see as you approach here. Originally, these camels were used in the Aladdin's Royal Caravan Parade at MGM Studios in 1994. When that parade closed in 1995, the camels were relocated to the Soundstage Restaurant. And when that closed in November of 1998, 
they were stored until uh, the ride was constructed in 2001. One of my favorite things is, you know, Aladdin does the safety speech. And then he's like, yep. or as Genie likes to say, para su seguridad. But, you know, like, and they go into the Spanish version. That's I think, awesome. I always thought that was just a funny little thing that they put in there. Uh, it completely changed the layout of Adventureland, injecting some intellectual property into it, which I think was needed. Uh, you have the thing that differentiates us from Dumbo. You have two rows of seats on each carpet. You control both the height and the pitch of your carpet. There's also the center is marked as like a giant genie bottle topped with a magic lamp. The genie bottle kind of like I Dream of Genie. You know, Barbara Eden. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the entrance to Frontierland is also right there uh, by where the uh, Jasmine meet and greet is. The entrances are themed differently on both sides, where you have a western town on one side and a tropical motif on the other. Now we're at Aloha Isle, which is the former home of the Sunshine Tree Terrace. Uh, Aloha Isle was moved here because there was far more demand for the Dole Whip as it became like a part of Disney pop culture. And, uh, you know, inspiring numerous shirts and a lot of Dole Whip merchandise and all that other stuff. So uh, the... Dole Whip can be found here, along with a bunch of other uh, pineapple-y items. I don't typically go here. It's one of the few, like, non-meal quick-service locations that you can actually do mobile ordering for. That's true. Uh, originally, this was the Veranda Juice Bar, and it sold sub-sandwiches. Huh. I don't remember that. Sub-sandwiches are my favorite thing in the world. So, like, yeah, that would have been really, really cool. Uh all right, kind of just walking around Adventureland with a giant sub. Oh my god, could you imagine like a nice Italian, like <laughs> uh, heavy on the red wine vinegar, like uh, so it soaks the bread. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. Universal actually does have a sub location. They have the Dagwood uh, sandwich shop. Is it any good? I've gotten a sandwich from there once. It was all right. It was overpriced. Okay. I remember the first time I went in there, I looked at the prices and I'm like, I'm just gonna leave and go to Publix. Um, the Tiki Room, originally part of the Sunshine Pavilion and one of Walt's favorite attractions when it opened in Disneyland. Uh, Tiki Room was inspired by that original animatronic bird that Walt Disney found and bought and brought back and told his uh, team to get get to work reverse engineering this and improving on it. Original con- The original concept for the Tiki Room was a Disney restaurant. It was going to be a Chinese food restaurant with a Confucius-like character who wandered around and offered words of wisdom. One of the, I think in the Imagineering story, like, somebody said something about, like, when Walt first had the idea for this restaurant, the idea was to have, like, actual birds in there. And they were like, Walt, they're going to poop in the food. (laughs) Do you remember that? It's like the Jungle Cruise. Like, he wanted it to be all real animals. Right, "Mm -hmm." right. Well, the restaurant idea with the Confucius character was considered not practical. Uh, and the original Tiki Room opened in, in Disneyland in 1963. The Walt Disney World attraction opened in 1971. And what ticket do you think the Tiki Room was in Walt Disney World? I'm, I always go the wrong way on this. Uh, I'm going to say D. Yes, you're right. Oh, wow. Okay. This is the first time you've ever gotten one that wasn't yeah, glaringly nice. obvious. Uh, All right. Uh, but, you know, in Disney in Disneyland, it actually was a separately priced admission. Oh. You had to pay, oh, like, a... yeah, you had to actually pay to see the Tiki Room because it was so mind-blowingly advanced for 1963. The original show featured more than 150 birds with the Tiki song written by the Sherman Brothers. Your hosts are Jose, Michael, Pierre, and Fritz. Uh, the orange bird was also originally in the Tiki Room. Oh, I didn't know that. He had a little perch in there. Um, 
but then it became the Tiki Room under new management in April of 1998. It was hosted by Iago and Zazu, featured 88 singing birds. Uh, they redid, uh, they did new, uh, voice acting for all of the, for Pierre, Fritz, Michael, and Jose. And the voice of Pierre was also the voice of Lumiere. They added some more songs like the conga and hot, hot, hot. And of course, Iago had that friend like me version that I loved. And the pre-show actually had Phil Hartman and Don Rickles as Iago and Zazu's agents. Oh, that sounds super fun. Yeah. You never did under new management? No. Oh, I see. Okay. So here's, and here's another thing that's going to be wildly unpopular that I'm going to say. I loved the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management. I thought it was I've so heard that much before fun. though. You're not the first person to tell me that. I thought it was so I wish they would have let the the Tiki 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 song go a little bit longer. But I mean, I really loved it. Until, you know, like the reason it got changed back was cuz the I heard the Iago animatronic actually caught on fire. Right. Uh but I mean, the friend like me was really fun. It was like you are boring, tiki birds. I'm a big celebrity. Well, I know that like the back of yeah. my hand because it's always been on the soundtrack. Right, for right. Disney World, so we all know that one. Right, right. Uh, ready to go to the Jungle Cruise. Yo, yeah. Oh, yeah. The world famous Jungle Cruise, which is world famous around the world for being world famous. An opening day attraction at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World. A lot of people mistakenly believe that this is based on the African Queen. The, the film with Humphrey Bogart. It's actually based on a 1955 Disney True Life documentary called The African Lion. Okay. So there you go. Walt originally, famously, wanted live animals, but he realized that, you know, you can't really keep live animals in the area where guests can see them. And a lot of times during the day when it's hottest and, and most trafficked by guests, they'd probably be sleeping, which is the thing that we encounter now at Kilimanjaro Safaris. Uh, the, uh, you know, the idea was abandoned because animals don't cooperate. Uh, you know, with, with, with show schedules. So the idea to use, uh, fake animals was, uh, was put into place. The Jungle Cruise spans three continents and four rivers. There's the South African, the South American Amazon, the African Congo, the Egyptian Nile, and Southeast Asia's Mekong River. The boats were originally featured red and white striped canopies, but they were redesigned in 1998 to feature a more weathered tan appearance. The skippers originally had scripted dialogue. Now it's more of a free-flowing comedy routine. Obviously, there are various different jokes and gags that you could put in there. And each skipper, I think, from what I understand, the skippers all, like, pick and choose from, like, the pre-approved bits to create their specific routine. Right. Did it? Did a skipper ever like come up with something that like you had never heard before? Hmm. I mean, I I don't feel like any of it's ever really off the cuff. Kind of. There was one joke that was hysterical. It was the last year of the Osborne family spectacle at Dancing Lights, and it was nighttime, okay. so it's a nighttime Jungle Cruise, and we're in the backside of water, and the skipper goes, and so this is Jingle Cruise, and the skipper goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the eighth wonder of the world." The Osborne family spectacle of dancing water. And he started turning the lights on the boat on and off and going. And then he stopped. He goes, ah, doesn't it get better every year? And the whole boat groaned because it was going away. That's pretty funny. It was hysterical. I thought it was so funny. Uh, and then of course that is because every year around the holiday season, the Jungle Cruise is rethemed to the Jingle Cruise, which is my favorite overlay. 
Uh, it's so the Jingle Cruise is so much fun. I like the Jingle Cruise also. Yeah, I love that one. The the skipper you had that was like all like um, oh, the, he was just totally deadpan. Yeah, just totally deadpan through the whole thing on Jingle Cruise. After every joke, he was yeah. like Jingle Cruise. <laughs> I think that's such an amusing way to like take the script and make it something completely different. It was great. Hey, you know, would you say, because here's the thing, your Jungle Cruise experience rises and falls on how good your skipper is, right? Of course. Like, that, like it's not like Pirates where it's the same thing every time. Like, if you have a bad skipper, and I've had some bad skippers, like, it's just horrible. Well, you know, not to bring up a sore subject, but, you know, think back to a great movie ride. Yes. How many times were you like, all right, I don't know if I could take this anymore? Yeah, no, great movie ride. You had you had more bad great movie ride hosts than you had bad skippers. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure they equated in terms of the Disney hierarchy of jobs. Right. You know? <laughs> um, uh, more so than bad hosts on the great movie ride, it was bad, like, Muggsies. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay, so the boat is actually on rails. A lot of people get, like, a, like... They're like, wait, my skipper is like not looking at where we're going and, you know, turning the wheel randomly. The boat is on rails, so they're not actually piloting it. They don't steer. The boats move at 3.2 feet per second. And the skippers do have control over the forward and reverse speeds when using the little lever on the control panel. The boats are powered by compressed natural gas, and they are 27 feet long. The river is shallow, only three and a half feet deep, and it has actually dyed that brown color. And that die is inserted uh, through Schweitzer Falls, through the waterfall. The attraction is 10 minutes long. And did you know, how many, now here's a question for you. How many audio animatronics are featured in the Jungle Cruise? Wow. Hmm. Just ballpark guess. 50. Wrong. None. No figure in um, the Jungle Cruise is actually an audio animatronic. Because mm. the, the internal circuitry that's needed for an audio animatronic figure would never be able to be like in the water like that. So they're all stationary. They don't have like moving joints. Pretty much, they are all most. They all use simple air, uh, simple air pressure system that moves. The, and most of their movements are restricted to back and forth movements. Okay. So you pass by Inspiration Falls, the campsite uh, with all the gorillas, the crashed plane. Now this is the back half of one whole plane. The front half, not to open a sore subject, used to be in the Great Movie Ride in the Casablanca scene. Yeah. This is the back half of that one. Uh, you've got Schweitzer Falls, the backside of water, which is like everybody's favorite part. Shirley's Temple, Trader Sam, and all these were Mark Davis created gags. Mark Davis, legendary, um, not to be confused with Mark Daniel, legendary host of Disney uh, live streams. Mark Davis, legendary Imagineer. Uh, changes made in 1994. The queue was redesigned to create more capacity, and new jokes were pro- new jokes and props were put into the queue, kind of making the queue into an attraction in its own right. A lot of the signs in the queue pay tribute to actors, actors, movies, explorers, and Disney Imagineers. Now, more so than the Jungle Cruise queue, I love the Jingle Cruise queue because they really do that queue up. Yeah, I feel like the queue is pretty good altogether. Yeah, yeah. All right, you ready for the main event? Let's do it. Pirates of the Caribbean, not originally planned for Walt Disney World and never intended to be there. Why is that? Because uh, Disney executives did not feel as though Florida, being kind of in the Caribbean, near the Caribbean, 
would would see it as an exotic thing. Uh, however, uh, so instead of pirates, they were going to be doing Thunder Mesa and the Western River expansion, hosted by out-of-work animatronic owl Hoot Gibson. There he is. Yeah, there he is, making another appearance on our world tour. This is the most airtime Hoot Gibson's gotten in a long time. Somewhere, someone's telling him, you guys start listening to the show. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, by the way, I just wanted to shout out uh, to one of our listeners, um, uh, Kathleen Grove and uh, Jason Frank, their daughter, uh, Katie, who is 13, drew an amazing piece of art that's on the Two Men in the Mouse uh, Walt Disney World Discussions group of Hoot Gibson versus Merv 13, which is amazing. I said it to you, Pete. Wasn't it? Wasn't it awesome? It's fantastic. It's so good. And like Merv 13 is just like an air filter. And like she actually like looks like she actually like Googled what Merv 13 actually looks like because it says like Nordic pure on uh on, on the air freshener, which I think is hysterical. So I we we love stuff like that. So thank you so much, Katie. That was so cool. And you like made our entire week with it. Okay, so uh Thunder Mesa was scrapped, Hoot Gibson was ceremoniously fired, leading to a complete collapse of his life and a downward spiral that has never ceased to to ha- to you know, that has never ceased ever since. This was decided less than six months after the park opened because everybody was asking where's Pirates of the Caribbean? Because it was such a hit in Disneyland. Uh cast members actually had to wear buttons that said the Pirates are coming Christmas nineteen seventy three to kind of answer guests' questions before they were Right. Let, let's stop having to answer yeah. the same question yeah, over and over. Let's stop asking about it. Here's your answer right here on my on my shirt. Uh, this was done at breakneck speed, designed by legendary Mark Davis. Uh, the Disneyland Pirates was Walt's last attraction he ever supervised, so this was kind of a big deal to bring in here to Walt Disney World. Originally, Pirates was meant to be a walkthrough wax museum about pirates. And then half, like, like part of the way through, like, they'd already started working on it, and Walt was like, ah, you know what, I want it to be a ride. With a boat and all that other stuff. So what ticket was Pirates of the Caribbean? I'm hoping it was an E. It was an E ticket. Yeah, you are okay. two, you're two for two on this one. Uh, opened in Walt Disney World on December 15th, 1973. Seven years to the day that Walt Disney passed away. I don't know if that was done on purpose or if that was a coincidence, but if that was a coincidence, it'd be a heck of a coincidence. It's kind of abbreviated from the Disneyland version. Now, I believe I've never done the Disneyland version. I know you have. I believe there's a second drop in Disneyland, right? Yeah, the Disneyland version is much longer. Yeah. Dare I say superior, unfortunately. But, um, you know, the, the Florida version still has all the, the major, you know, beats. Yep. The Florida queue is longer than the Disneyland queue. Uh, so we have a longer line. Uh, the building the is queue's a- much better. The Disneyland queue is not very good. Okay. The building is a fortress called Castillo del Mar. Uh, uh, says that it was built in 1643. Surrounding billion buildings in the plaza are also Caribbean themed to create what they call Caribbean Plaza. There used to be a Barker bird outside, uh, like a parrot in a cage named Peg Leg Pete, <clears throat> that would call out to people and actually try to encourage people to come onto the ride. He was removed in 2006. Do you remember Peg Leg Pete? I do. He sang a song called Yo Ho a Parrot's Life for me do you think they got rid of him because they realized they didn't need to attract people to the ride yeah they were like they were like sorry pete you're going and who gibson's like ah, how does it feel new boy they were like why are we paying this parrot we don't even need him people are coming on this ride anyway right right like this this parrot's gotta go and and, and right. you know who gibson was just like because you know they canceled the western river expansion for pirates and, and gave hoot's job to this peg leg pete parrot 
So, you know, you got to figure who took it personally. But Peg Leg Pete was then moved to World of Disney for a while, so he did stick around. Okay. Uh, the chessboard in the queue. You have two ch- skeletons playing chess. And, of course, the um, the pieces are arranged in a stalemate. This was staged by Mark Davis. Uh, but inadvertently moved during a 90s uh, refurbishment. And they couldn't figure out. They didn't have any pictures of it. They couldn't figure out where, where to put the, the pieces back. Thankfully, Mark Davis had sketched the uh, placement of the pieces on the back of his original concept art. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. you're able to figure it out? Yeah. Uh, so th- first you go through the caves. Uh, formerly, you had a Davy Jones or Blackbeard uh, appearance here, which I can't believe they got rid of that. It was so cool. Yeah, it was. You know, I remember when they were first bringing that in. I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this. But oh, then when I, I saw it, I was like, yeah, it's pretty great. I love it when it's Davy Jones. Whenever it's Blackbeard, I'm like, go away. Uh, yeah, the Davy Jones ones. For whatever reason, that one just really works. Well, because Davy Jones is a cool character. I like Davy Jones. You also had this the beach scene where you had the skeletons and the empty treasure chest. Uh, then they added the mermaid skeleton, which I used to always do, tell people, like, uh, hey, you know, Ariel's on this ride. And they'd be like, where? And I'd be like, there. And then, you know they'd look at me weird and then we'd go down the waterfall <laughs> i'd hope that the excitement would make them forget how morbid and weird i am uh the, you also used to have the mermaids singing a song in there and i used to really like that and you used to have the mermaids moving through the water too remember the lights yes i mean i didn't know they were mermaids until i read they were mermaids right <laughs> they were just lights in the water but right. uh, it was still cool the waterfall 14 feet high 52 feet long now, there's actually a reason why you have to go down the waterfall on this ride. It's not just for the thrill. So the that are, the original caves are not part of the full attraction building. The large attraction building is actually on the other side of the Walt Disney World Railroad. And when you go ah. under the waterfall, you're actually going under the tracks, the railroad That's tracks. Interesting. That's why when you get off the, the ride later on, you have to go back up that people mover into the store because you have to go back to the other side of the tracks. I thought that was really cool. Uh, then you have the Barbosa scene where he's not actually not in the Black Pearl. His ship is called the Wicked Wench. And then you have the, the scene where the mayor is being the mayor Carlos is being dunked into the well for for the location of Captain Jack Sparrow with his wife being like, don't tell him, Carlos. Don't be cheeking, which I love. I think that's hysterical. Um, now, here's an interesting thing. Obviously, you know, the mayor's clothes looks wet all the time, but they're not actually dumping dunking him in water because it's an audio animatronic character. Like, they're right. not going to do that. So Mark Davis's wife, Alice Davis, actually developed a uh, clothing material. Uh, they de- developed the idea to put mineral oil on the clothing material so that it always looks wet. Huh. Interesting, right? Now, does it stay like that, or do they have to reapply? I would assume it stays like that. I, I, I mean, like, unless some it's somebody's job to like go through and like apply the oil. Uh, Jack Sparrow was added to the ride in the 2006 refurb, which I think this is one of the best refurbs in Disney history. In uh, Jack- again, I, I remember when it went in and being like, "Okay, I got to see how it is," but just completely natural, right? Yeah. When they put Jack and Barbosa in, because here's the thing, 
Jack's they put Jack Sparrow in and it accentuated the story of the ride. It did not change the story of the ride. Right. All of the major elements were still there. And um you know, it just it added to it. It was perfect. It didn't like completely change the entire uh concept of Pirates of the Caribbean. Um I do love how there's some continuity in the story of Jack Sparrow getting the map and the key. Because at the very end, when he's sitting in the chair, the yep. map and the key are there as well. Like the key's in the lock. Uh, so some changes. Uh, in the one scene, originally the pirates were chasing the women around. Now the women chase the men, which I think is funny. Me too. Ob- obviously, the auction scene uh, was changed recently from selling the selling of human beings to the selling of items, which I think is a lot better. Yeah, also I think works completely. Apparently Walt was kind of on the fence about that one too. And the Imagineers okay. were like, well, it's not us doing it, it's the pirates doing it. Which kind of sounds like some kind of Zack Snyder, oh, Batman didn't kill those people, <laughs> the Batmobile killed them. No. Like, <laughs> um, so the human trafficking was removed from the ride. The redhead is, uh, is actually now a pirate, which I think is even cooler. Than her just being some girl who's like, I'm all about being objectified and sold into slavery. Um, the uh, auctioneer's voice. First of all, the auctioneer is one of the most advanced animatronics on property. So much so that if the auctioneer breaks down, the entire ride closes. And do you know who voices the auctioneer? I don't. Paul Freeze, who is also the ghost host. Yeah. So wow. the pirate auctioneer and the ghost host are the same person. Um, and you know who else the, the ghost host voices is also Carlos, the mayor. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, there used to be a young girl that would pop out of that barrel that Captain Jack pops out of. Then you have the town on fire where they recently added the smell in the most recent refurbishment. They had a really long refurbishment a couple years ago. The deep voice singer for Yoho Yoho Pirates Life for Me. Uh, is actually Thorough Ravenscroft, who also does the deep voice singing of one of the busts in the Haunted Mansion. He's so the fir- same guy's going yo ho yo ho, but he's the same one that goes when the moon climbs high on the dead oak tree. You know, um, Yale Gracie, legendary Imagineer, created the fire effects for uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. They were so realistic that the Anaheim Fire Department. Uh, when they did their inspection, were like, whoa, you can't do that, because they thought it was real fire. <laughs> it's actually lighting different pieces of cellophane that are blowing in the air. Yep. Yeah. Ironic, because now you see that in a lot of like Halloween decorations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are 65 pirates and villagers throughout the attraction, along with 60 animals and birds. In the final scene, you have the iconic scene of the pirates and the dog, Jack in the treasure room, and above the archway where Jack is um, sitting with the treasure, there's actually a coat of arms for Marco Deviso, a.k.a. Mark Davis. That's perfect. Uh, now we got the pirate shop, the House of Treasure. Also, there's a crystal shop kiosk outside. This is originally the only place that sold any kind of pirate merchandise in Walt Disney World. Now you can find pirate merchandise everywhere. Uh, and the Pirates League was once here, too, where you can get made over into a pirate. Just beyond this, uh, if you cross over into uh, kind of the Frontierland side, you have a you have a Pirates Adventure Treasure of the Seven Seas, 
debuted in the summer of 2013. In this game, the fate of piracy in the Caribbean rests on the hands of new pirate recruits who, armed with magic talismans and treasure maps, embark on five different pirate raids throughout Adventureland to collect valuable treasures while Captain Jack Sparrow's magic compass guides them. Have you ever done this? No. You? Yeah, I did it uh, I did it a couple times, and I actually really liked it. I thought it was neat. Tortuga Tavern is our last stop here in Adventureland. Currently at Tortuga Tavern, well, not currently because it's currently closed, but you can get jerk a jerk-smoked brisket sandwich with pineapple coconut slaw or a hot dog with jerk-smoked brisket on top of it, a turkey leg, or a regular hot dog. Not bad. Yeah, that sounds fun. After a day of adventure. Yeah, and that is Adventureland. Um, so let's hear what our friends around the world like about Adventureland, shall we? Gigi Burns says, Dole Whip, cheeseburger, spring rolls, and of course the Jungle Cruise. That's what I forgot. As you walk in in the very beginning, they have that cart that has the cheeseburger spring rolls. Yep. Heather Marie says, Pirates of the Caribbean, one of my favorites. Zach Adams says, do I even have to say it? Sunshine Tree Terrace, featuring the best park-specific character of all time, the Orange Bird. Jennifer Dye says, Pirates, except for the dirty, hairy leg that hangs down. Ashley Neumeister says, Pirates of the Caribbean, as well as the set design around Caribbean Plaza, and in the queue for Pirates of the Caribbean. I want to go back into the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse once it reopens, because I haven't done that in a while. I'm interested in Victorian Edwardian things. So I love to look at the styling. I'm sure photos exist somewhere, though, for the time being. Jim Mystician, I'm sorry if I said your name wrong, says the egg roll cart and citrus swirl. Dan Hoffman says Tiki, so underrated. Great classic and great spot to cool off and take a break. Rob Barnes says the Tiki, 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 Tiki room. Kristen Costera says Orange Bird. Ryan Welsh says citrus swirl. Michael Michael Bobeigel says just the vibe. The ambient music really makes me feel transported away. Taylor Troyer says, Jungle Cruise is okay, I guess. I'm pretty sure he's a Jungle Cruise skipper. Uh, he says, what really gets my blood pumping, though, is taking multiple trips to Agrabah on the flying carpets and then going up and down Swiss Family Treehouse. Those stairs are the most magical experience in all of the Magic Kingdom. Libby McManus says, Pirates of the Caribbean. Giselle Carmago devane says, Dole Whip. Mara May says, The Music. Trace Maudlin says, For the sake of being unique, I'll go with something that isn't even there anymore. And I don't even know who will remember it, but when I was a kid, I loved the Shrunken Ned's Junior Jungle Boats. These are remote control replicas of the Jungle Cruise boats that you can drive through different things that would shoot fire out of it and do different things. Every time I pass the Jungle Cruise, I have to look at the area that was at, this was at because it's very nostalgic for me. Oh, I do remember that. I watched an episode of Pawn Stars where they sold one of the boats. Did they really? That. Yeah, it was cool. really cool. I was super jealous. Uh, Kathleen Groves says Jungle Navigation Company uh, LTD Skipper Canteen. Fantastic theming throughout the dining rooms. Delicious food and attentive service. Service. Jason Frink says Pirates of the Caribbean smell, and I still love the Tiki Room. One of our kids' favorite things to say at random times is because of their claws? No, because of their macaws. Santa Ron says Pirates and the Jungle Cruise. Jennifer Long says Citrus Swirl and Tiki Room or Can't Miss Combo. Jacob Moore says it's the first land we go to every trip. Only uh, only been only been two, but hey, it's been every trip. Love Pirates. Valerie Ayers Lassiter says it's the first land we go to as well. Pirates and Citrus Swirl. Stephen Chinichi says the music of the music and Pirates of the Caribbean. Also really enjoy a Pirates adventure. Treasures of the Seven Seas, truly a hidden gem. And Michael Avila says the backside of water. And there you go. Adventureland. Adventureland. We only got one stop left on our Magic Kingdom tour. That is the land of tomorrow. Yeah. I'm curious what you're, you know, when we're done, like for a revised what your favorite land is. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. It's good. It's gonna be really hard to do. 
Yeah, we'll, gotta really think about it. At the end of the at the end of the next installment, we will do that. We will we will go okay. through and kind of figure it out. Um, which I mean it should be coming pretty soon. I, I'm assuming either Monday or Tuesday we can we can knock yep. that out. Um, and get that up for everybody. Because uh, then I go to Disney on Wednesday for cool. four, for four days. I'll be at Old Key West. So um, yeah. Anything else you wanted to add about Adventureland? I, I like Adventureland. I can't say it's my favorite. Same. But I do like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, so now here's a question for you, and I'll pose this question to our, our listeners to see what they want as well. When, we, when we're done with Tomorrowland, do we go right to Epcot, or do we take a couple weeks off from the tour, do some other topics, and then go into Epcot? Hmm. Yeah, I'm open to either. Yeah, so I think we'll do a poll on the on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Two Men in the Mouse, see what you guys want to do. I guess it would really depend on what the other topics are. Yeah. Well, uh... That's going to do it for Two Men in the Mouse this week, folks. Thank you so much for joining us and for spending another week here with us on Two Men in the Mouse. We hope you guys are enjoying the tour because we're enjoying bringing it to you. Sorry for my vocal flubs while while trying to read a lot of my notes. Um, you know, some of them are hard to read. And, um, yeah, my, my voice gets really tired talking for this length of time. Uh, okay, so... Folks, if you love our good friend Peter Mandel, check him out at Rogue Comics over there in Cranford, New Jersey at 105 North Union Avenue, Cranford, New Jersey 07016, or RogueComics.com where you can find a link to Pete's eBay store. If you're planning a Disney trip or Universal trip, check out our buddy Dave Weikert over at Magical Travel, who will plan your Disney vacation for you at no additional cost to you. And, of course, if you're renting a Cripper Stroller, check out our buddies over at KingdomStrollers.com, who are going to rent you the Cripper Stroller of your dreams anywhere in the Orlando area. And for me, folks, my books, the Ross and Annie series, Winter, Winters of Elnora, Birth of the Dark Angel, all available on Amazon.com. And please check out YouTube.com slash MortyMonster, Facebook.com slash MortyMonster, and Instagram at MortyMonsterAndFriends to see what Morty Monster is up to on the Morty Monster YouTube channel. It is a full video blog featuring uh, walking through the parks, with an adorable puppet monster uh, guiding your way. So uh, that does it for this week. Pete, any closing words? I, I just hope everyone's staying super positive about Disney and yeah. life in general, you Same. know? Same. Please, folks, keep the magic alive every day of your lives. We will see you next week on Two Men and the Mouse. So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big Tomorrow, just a dream away. If you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the monorail stops completely and the doors open. If this concludes your visit, we hope you've had a wonderful time and will return home safely. Thank you for traveling with us.